0: Hello again, everyone. Connor Lowcar here, senior forecaster at ITR Economics, following up for the Bigger Pockets post-event Q and A. So we're going to get a chance to circle back to those questions that we didn't quite have enough time to answer on the day of our webinar. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. So uh, first up, doesn't the COVID foreclosure moratorium make housing payment data look stronger than it actually is? What happens when banks are allowed to foreclose again? So I think that's a great point. I, I talked to that lightly on the webinar. As far as you know, that's a variable that um, it, it's uncertain right now. And I think it certainly is massaging some of the, the multifamily vacancy uh, information. I think it's probably masking some of the um, you know probably non-payment delinquencies on you know, mortgage data, uh, and you know, obviously preventing some foreclosures there. So I think it is making that look stronger than it is. So. You know, what's happened since we've had a chance to, when, when we connected on that webinar is, you know, it's a fluid situation. So we, we saw some initial proceedings for, uh, of the expiration of the eviction moratorium, and uh, that has been tentatively halted. So now the, the CDC uh, is apparently making uh, housing policy, and, and they basically issued penalties on the uh, grounds of the Delta variant and the ongoing health Crisis. Uh, so, I believe that's going to get challenged in court. Uh, I believe it's already in the process of being challenged in court. So, uh, in, in terms of what happens when banks are allowed to foreclose again, I don't think it's going to happen all at once. Uh, I think it'll be more of a probably a more of a trickle foreclosures, I would guess, because all these proceedings are going to take time. You know, we're going to see you know, all parties are going to try to find resolutions. You know that I believe that for some mortgages, they're going to try to roll missed payments onto the back of the loan term or. I believe most efforts will be made to avoid outright eviction. So I don't know if it will be like some sort of deluge of all of a sudden millions of folks evicted and we see that vacancy, you know, flood into the multi and single family market and affect, you know, know, vacancy rates, you know, asking rents um, and everything else. But uh, admittedly, I don't exactly know how the government's gonna handle this. And I assume state by state, um, you know, different states are gonna handle it differently. But my inclination right now is it's going to be more of a trickle than a flood in terms of, you know, forthcoming foreclosures uh, to really rock the market, though it could feed into what we think will be slowing growth dynamics as we move into 2022. So uh, second question, Uh, can you talk a little bit about rental projections for residential properties? So, uh, you know, I'm assuming that that is asking about rents on the multifamily side of things. You know, we are seeing... Upside pressure on, you know, asking rents. Uh, our expectation, whether it's for asking rents or, I guess, indirectly, you know, mortgage payments based on price, um, you know, we should see less pressure to the upside next year. We're seeing developers are pouring massive amounts of units uh, for both single-family, you know, averaging north of 1.1 million units uh, for single-family starts right now. Multifamily is up nearly 50% quarter over quarter right now. So we're going to see more supply brought to bear over the next several quarters. We anticipate that that's going to facilitate some downside pressure on price growth from a single-family property perspective. Likely to facilitate some some less uh, you know overt upside pressure on asking rents uh, as well next year. Uh, and you know, with the added variable of what I just discussed, as far as you know, eventually you know this one would think the eviction moratorium will go away at some point. When that happens, that'll start to trickle some more vacancy into the marketplace as well, which will also adversely affect rent growth. One would think so. Uh, and, and finally, here we have: Will crypto, in parentheses, especially Bitcoin, uh, be a good hedge against the coming economic downturn? Uh, this is a tricky question because I I like crypto. I, I think that. As an investment opportunity, it's interesting. Uh, Certainly, I think as a dollar hedge and perhaps just a a part of your portfolio, just a broader hedge, it's interesting. But I don't necessarily trust governments to leave it alone and let it function as it's supposed to. So, I know, Bitcoin kind of had a rough couple of months there. Now it's it's back. uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, for a couple of the headliners, are back into a tentative upward trajectory here. Uh, You know, my concern is, you know, Possible amendment for the infrastructure bill, for example, is uh, you know a crypto tax. You know, trying to you know, the government trying to recruit more tax income there. So, so my my pure inner self, I guess, you know, likes crypto and thinks it could be a good hedge opportunity against the coming downturn. However, my inner cynic or realist, depending on how you want to look at it, doesn't necessarily trust the government to leave it alone. Uh, and you when know, we look at China, for example, really cracking down on all cryptocurrencies, uh, because cryptocurrencies, it's an alternative to their currency. It's an alternative to the US dollar. It's a means of escaping the control of, you know, the the government. So for that reason, I don't think the government's going to just sit and sit by on the sidelines and, and let that control erosion occur. So so it's kind of a catch-22 there, where I'd like it more if I could trust the government, but I personally do not. So that may be a personal calculation. That you have to make there but i think the, the technology you know as far as blockchain and and you know moving forward i i think it's fascinating and, and valuable but there are other factors at play there that that uh temper some of that enthusiasm for me personally so uh that was it uh, folks not a lot of meat left on the bone there just a few questions but I was happy to get to those for you. And of course, as uh, always, if you have any follow-up questions, please reach out to ITR Economics. Go to itreconomics.com. Check out our blogs, uh, our trends talks, other posts. and A lot of cool content on there for you. Often I'll be writing about some of the things that you asked about uh, here in this uh, follow-up Q&A today. So thanks for checking in. I'm Connor Locarn. I will see you on the next one.